it's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. There are more identity threats than you realize. Even if you monitor your credit, only a little personal info needs to leak out. Like your social security number or password. For you to become a victim. LifeLock alerts you to threats you could miss. If your identity is stolen, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions, but everyone can save up to 25% off their first year. Go to LifeLock.com aware. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Welcome to Success Secrets Exposed with Sally A. Curtis, where we share stories of challenge, success, and inspiration, along with practical tips and strategies to move you forward to your success. And now, here's your host, Sally A. Curtis. Good evening, good morning, and good day to you all. Welcome to another episode of Success Secrets Exposed. This week's episodes, we're going to be talking about the leader's leader. And for those that know me well and have been listening to the show for a while, I love nothing more than being the wind underneath somebody else's wings. In other words, I like shining the light more than anything on other people. And it's not normal for me to take the limelight as such. So today we're going to have an intimate conversation uh, with uh, Gary Prigg and myself. He's actually going to be interviewing me um, and discussing the ways in which I shine the light on other people and why I like being in the background of other people's success. Now, Gary Prigg has been on the show before, so many of you may remember him. He is a transformational strategist for business and personal self-mastery. So without any further ado, I'm actually going to bring him into the uh, arena and we're going to have that great conversation today. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, Sal, and good morning to all of your followers. It's uh, great to have you here. And How are you feeling, Sal? Yeah, I'm really great, thank you. Keeping well and truly out of mischief. A little bit cold and a little bit chilly today in Adelaide, but uh, good, thank you. Right. Um, it's interesting, so often you're the one that does all of the work for everyone else mm-hmm. and you're in the hot seat today because we're going to have a talk about you and who yes. you are <laughs> um, and how you change people's lives. Yeah. Thank how you. do you feel about that? Um, excited and apprehensive. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? So often leaders are the ones that go out there and they're the ones who will help affect change, be transformational masters in their own way. But as soon as the light is put back on them, they just seem to withdraw back. Yeah. 
and because I've I've seen what you've done and how you've changed people's lives, I just want to acknowledge your courage that uh, you're the one that's going to be asked the questions today because you've got an amazing story to sell. You really have. Well, to sell and tell. Yeah. So um, there, there are no holds barred today, you know, Sel. Yes, I was a bit fearful of that and excited at the same time. And I'm very aware that that's the space you're going to come from. So we will see where it ends up and goes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and look, the outcome, though, is that, uh, that this will have an awakening effect on some of the things that you're doing yourself and in business. But also there'll be a lot of terrific information you will pass on to other people that they can take into their personal life or into their business life to assist them to become more successful. So one of the, the first questions that, uh, that I'm always interested in is who is, who is the person I'm talking to? So who is Sally? Who is Sally Curtis? Okay, so um, long story short, and I was pondering on this this morning actually and remembering um, some of the childhood uh, scenarios because I was typing to a girlfriend the other day because she was talking about birthdays and my birthday coming up and it's like, oh, I don't like birthdays. And she actually asked me why I didn't. So, of course, that became very reflective. So Sally Curtis is actually the person that for many birthdays as a young child actually hid underneath the uh, dining room table when people sung me happy birthday. Um, so this gives you a bit of an insight as to why I actually like being in the background a whole lot more uh, than I do like being in, in the <coughs> foreground. In saying that, um, obviously, I'm a professional speaker as well, so I am also a lot uh, in at the front of the room, and I like being at the front of the room, but I actually like being the success um, the success instigator behind other people. My, my greatest love is shining a light on other people. So Sally is both extroverted and introverted. Um, I've loved nothing more through COVID than wearing my Ugg boots and tracksuit pants and dressing from the desk up, um, which was a phrase coined by Warwick Mary. Um, but I'm, I'm, um, I'm very, I've always been driven, but I don't see myself as being driven. I don't see myself as a leader, but my community tells me I'm bossy. Um, but that's for their own uh, for their own good. Um, and I know some people on the show, uh, in the background of the show are actually going, "Yes, she's bossy. Oh, yes." Um, so I've been a serial entrepreneur since I was twelve. Um, starting, I had horses back then, so I started with riding lessons. I've had side hustles right the way through uh, my life. I've been employed um, and self-employed a lot of that time. Um, the side hustles enabled me to, to find my feet for self-employment, which I've been in for many, many, many years now. Um, but I'm a, um, a single mum and with a, a wonderful 17-year-old uh, son, Rory, who I dote on terribly uh, and love every minute of it. Um, and I'm, uh, yeah, very much a connector, love connecting people. Um, again, that's all about seeing the giftedness in other people and going, oh, actually, you need to connect with that person because I see together. So I see that, you know, the inner geniuses and how they can work together. So right. that natural skill of being a um, connector has always uh, shone through for me, which is probably why I do so much around teaching people how to network and grow their businesses through. Right. Now we'll come into that. We'll come into that a little bit later. Yeah. Um, that, that's a pretty uh, broad description. What I find interesting is that the little girl mm. hides under the table at her birthday celebrations. 
And I just wonder, kind of historically, um, you know, we're all influenced by our um, environmental background. Can you trigger anything that would have caused you to want to hide under the table? Um, it was probably it was probably my brother, um, and I don't know this. Um, all those damned older brothers, I know. Damned, damned older <laughs> brothers. He's probably said something to me, um, and I, um, when I was reflecting on it this morning, he's probably said something, and I've probably gone underneath the table, and then that um, I got. I, I sort of got teased about it, which was a different form of accolade. So I sort of rather liked it. So that was all that became a bit of, bit of a habit. But I actually thought about the birthdays that I really, really loved. And the birthdays I've loved is when I've been in control of them. So I think that probably says I'm just a control freak, which I know I am anyway. So. Well, you control, well, it's interesting, though, that, you know, that, that influence at such a young age of being under the table to hide, mm. was that in the space of you... Uh, fearful or attracting attention? Attracting attention. Okay. It's really interesting, isn't it? So at that young age, that has already started to be embedded in who you are. Yeah. And if you go along in your life, has that played out on a regular basis? Uh, in different ways. Yeah, very much so. So um, I can, I will do the whole front of the room um, and do the presentation and all the rest of it, but don't like the applause at the end of it or feel very uncomfortable at the applause at the end of it. So I'd rather get on to, you know, the next bit. So there's those little demonstrations that I've had to relearn as a speaker where you've actually got to, you know, accept the claps and, you know, the accolades and actually stand there and, you know, give them the gift of um, expression for, you know, what, what they've experienced through you. Well, so it's, those it's, sorts it's, of it's really interesting, though, that so often successful people literally get onto the, the stage of their life, yeah. but they do like to extricate themselves from it and go into a sense of real peace and tranquility or, no, don't talk to me. There's a, now, that's an interesting factor as well because a lot of times when people do that, they start to give away their own power and their own energy. And, and I call that that energetic sieve. So they're out there giving to everyone else but can be at their own expense. And what I've loved in our conversations over the last uh, you know, year or whatever has been how more and more you've stopped being self, not you've, never that you've been selfish, far from it, but you become more self-full, mm. focusing on yourself. And by doing that, your power has become more exponential. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. So you, but you've got a great heart and you're very compassionate and you just love giving to others. Mm. So we're just going to shift gears a little bit here now. Mm. Having had so many years of business experience and in a diverse range, mm. you bring together for business people some actual, not theoretical, but practical experience where I'm sure along the way you've made some mistakes. Yeah. But as we learn from our mistakes, that gives us a more, a more powerful or a, an insightful way of how we deal with the next challenge. So... If we apply what you've learned to business, mm. what are some of the mistakes that you've observed business people actually bring upon themselves? Mm. Um, I think that <laughs> from my uh, look, reflecting back of my, uh, on my own and a lot of the, these examples are, uh, are ones that I've done, so I sort of try to help people mitigate them as, as quickly as possible. I think the biggest one um, is... That uh, 
not trusting yourself enough uh, to, to, mm-hmm. to do that. Um, and the reason I say that is because most people have a fear of failing. But one of my signs that's just up over the top of my computer is, um, you know, failure is success. To be successful, you do actually have to fail. So there's a number of different things that I think people um, hold back from. So if we use the the example of holding back like I did or hiding under the table like I've done, there's a number of things that people do. And the first one is um, because I work with speakers, uh, speakers, coaches and consultants predominantly, they're often told the tale to create a signature program. Mm-hmm. which is true in an essence. Um, so they have they create the one program, which you can always have that signature program eventually, but you don't just start with one. Because I see so many people as they launch their business for the first time start with one program that they want to deliver and that they think is going to be out the marketplace is going to mm-hmm. want. And it doesn't actually sell because something's quite not quite right. Um, so I think the biggest um, lesson that I've learned here, which re- was from Jane Anderson, was to launch multiple programs in a 12-month period. Uh, an example is uh, launch 20. Uh, 20. I, uh, Jane often uh, will launch 20. I've uh, launched up to 17 in a 12-month period. Mm-hmm. But three of them have only stuck. Um, so it's the ability to go, let's, uh, the market sounds like it wants this, let's give them this program um, and then get feedback on it. And then if it if it flatlines, um, you get rid of it and then you create another program that's similar to the one that you first started with, but you have now got the lessons from the, lear- the learnings from mm-hmm. that one. You've gone, right, well, now let's do that. And you, you get to fail forward faster and you actually find um, find the um, the great um, equaliser of what your market is actually needing. Um, and for me, that's really what's contributed to my growth in the last probably three to four years is that ability to feel comfortable in failing uh, programs and going, yeah, that didn't work. Or yeah. uh, and it's just transforming. It's the uh, the evolving. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that was going to say that that word failure is something that's got a really, um, it, it's a diminishing energy around that word. But I, I'd like the word finessing. So as you're doing things and they're not quite working, what do you do? Some people either stop and give up, others will keep flogging a dead horse, or they start finessing. And it's that finessing that starts to bring a real sense of excellence and using that expertise. And, and I love reflecting back, who was I, for example, three years ago? Like, who were you three years ago? What have we learnt on that journey? And the longer we stay in that space, it's just not the skill, the expertise that we have. Mm. When time goes by, we get a thing called wisdom. Yeah. The intuitive kicks in. And, and that's what I've loved about you is that you have an intuitive. You can listen to a conversation. You don't prejudge. But when you've listened... The intuitive kicks in and that's when that moment of, wow, this can work to help this person. Now, you can give that information to the person. You can give them as much help and nurturing and encouragement. What happens when someone just doesn't buy into it? They're not ready for it or they're giving you a block. How do you overcome that for them when you know it's in their absolute best interest if they get on board? Um, And that, well, the 
line I often say to my clients, it's not about me, it's about about them. So the bottom line is until they're ready, they're not yes. ready. Yeah. Um, they're not. Um, but um, certainly being the sounding board um, and, um, you know, the person that they'll come back to and say, I've just done this. And it's like, well, yeah, okay, have we thought about that yet? So we sort of, we do the the loop and the, and that's where the bossy comes in you know where we go you know we've discussed this before so let's just loop back to yes. what we're trying to get to let's just loop back and eventually those loops join for the person it's not about um what i want what i want for them i can often see a path that's six steps whereas their path that they need to take is uh, 12 and i know in my own case um frustrating the uh, one he said frustrating the crap out of other coaches is because my process has been a 24 step process and they've seen my process to be six but you know my we we have to have the level of evolution that we need to be able to get to that point of finessing and until we're ready until the penny drops or something lands for us as it relates to us and as it relates to the audience that we serve it's not about my timing. It's always about the other person's timing. What about if I came in from a slightly different angle on that, that we are all, again, products of our environment, our genetic inheritance. So people, in many cases, are stuck. Do you occasionally think it's worthwhile to challenge people, literally challenge them, to see if they can step out of the old habits, beliefs and attachments they have? Absolutely. I have. <laughs> that was Peter. Peter's, Peter's experienced the Sally Bossy. Um, I do think it's very important to challenge people, but a lot of people are uh, uncomfortable with challenge. Um, mm -hmm. um, so, again, it's meeting them where their level of challenge is. Usually part of my process of, of, of getting them to, to seeing something is by asking them, um, uh, different questions to get them to see something and I do spend a lot of time mapping stuff out on whiteboards with clients so they can actually visually see what where the progression is so it's not sort of theatrical in their head they actually get to see the sort of the steps and then they come yes. to their own conclusions and I think yes you can challenge people but if you if you challenge them too much in the wrong way then they back off um, yeah. And you don't get them forward enough to be able to take them through that conversational challenging. Yeah. I think in that space, and it, you've, everyone's journey is their own, mm -hmm. but part of that journey may have been that you've been manifested into their life to actually challenge them to a degree, to get them to, to, to go forward or to break out of that, that lockdown space that they're in. Mm -hmm. Um and I think one of the great questions for in life, whether it be your personal life or in business, is to ask that question, are you happy with where you are now? Mm. And, and really play with that question. Are you happy with where you are now? Okay, well, what's not working in that space? Mm. How would you feel if we were able to get rid of that particular block there? So it becomes that small uh, dismantled offence, so to speak, mm. to then... Clear the, just clear that space and start with a new foundation. Mm -hmm. But I always like to leave people with a challenge rather than say, okay, that's fine if that's where you sit. But I always like to leave them with a challenge and embed that thought, how would you feel if you didn't have that happening now? How would you feel if you had an extra five clients per month? How would you feel if you were taking uh, eight weeks off a year in holidays? Mm -hmm. And it's by asking that question and planting that seed 
that it starts to then germinate. Mm -hmm. And invariably, people will come back and say, hey, I haven't had a holiday. I want that eight-week holiday. Can you show me how to do that? Mm. And then, then you can map it out. Yeah. And that becomes a very different question with a very different evolutional intent. Yeah. And, and I think that, that one of the things I love about what you do and the process is that you are a great asker of questions. Yeah. And, and the, the secret of asking questions is <laughs> when you ask it, you shut up. And you let the person sit in that space because that's when they start to really tap into what their past is or what the creative juices are that are waiting to be released. Mm. Very true. So we've talked about what challenges people face that are limiting or restricting who they are as a business person. Mm. Let's share a couple of examples of what you actually do to elevate people and, and a couple of examples of, you know, in, in your avatar of who you are, the businesswoman, the successful businesswoman, mm. what is your avatar client and an example of who you've been able to assist in that space? Um, so typically my clients are very much in that speaker, consultant, um, um, coaching space. So they're generally somebody that's got a community that they want to serve. They're very clear on uh, who their community is. They're very service-driven, uh, very community-orientated, community and they're, they're, they've, they've got to the point where they understand uh, what their impact is for the world or for the community that they serve. Often what's happening for them is um, they're wanting to be able to do more. Um, sometimes that, for some of them, that does mean an, an increase in revenue, even though they're very, very service-based, uh, service and heartfelt-driven. Uh, but they are, they're just wanting to be able to get to that next income level because that income level ties them into the capacity of what they want to be able to give away. So there's that really nice cir circulation of both income-driven and outcome-driven for their community. Um, and often what happens for them is they, um, it's two scenarios. They're either at the starting point where they're about to get a team or they're about to expand a team. So um, and getting a team member is often just a VA or a, um, an, um, a virtual assistant or an executive assistant or a business manager into their business. Um, and a lot of the things that they don't they don't realise is that they actually have to slow down and stop to actually be able to bring somebody in. And this is often because they, they've been doing, as we all do, their business intuitively and instinctively and they just go through the motions because they know it inside out. But what they haven't done is built some simple systems uh, along the way that actually help them to duplicate themselves. And that's ultimately why they're bringing a, um, another person into their business is because they need to duplicate themselves to be able to do some of those, get some of those tasks done. So um, that's something that is really relevant is to, as you're growing, um, try to get some simple systems in place because I see the end result of that is where, uh, and I've done this myself, is where they're fatigued um, they're fatigued in trying to grow their business. They're fatigued because their marketing's not quite right, um, and they're stuck behind the computer way more than they want to be. And there's there's a cup. There's many layers to why that occurs. One, as I said, is the support staff and um, not realizing that they're going to have to slow down to be able to bring somebody on uh, because most people want to bring somebody on to speed up. 
The other thing is um, that they're often um, not consistent in both their marketing and their business development actions. And this is where the team member comes in, that they're wanting to the team member so they can get back can to I, doing can I ask what, what do you mean by that? They're not consistent. Not consistent. So consistent uh, mean, for me is they, 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 they've got lumpy everything. So they've got, they're on the roller coaster ride. Often their income can be lumpy in that, that it goes up and down. Um, their posting to social media is up and down. They're not um, doing their e-newses on a regular basis or, or then, and they're not having uh, regular conversations with the right clients on a consistent basis. Um, because we all know, um, and everyone will go, oh, my God, she's going to say that again. And um, and for those that haven't heard me say it, I'll go, yeah, that's so true, is if you're having consistent conversations uh, with your right ideal target market, and, again, that comes down to defining your ideal target market intimately, when you're having consistent conversations with the right ideal target market every week, uh, this you know, a consistent number, then um, you don't have the lumpy income because you've actually got the consistency of leads coming in. But mm -hmm. what happens is we have leads come in uh, and we get clients on board and then we pull back because we've got we've just had all of these clients come on board, which means we stop doing the marketing. And then You're as really, those really busy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you, it's balancing that busyness and the busyness and delivery. So that's where systems will help with the busyness and the you can then keep the, uh, the delivery consistent uh, and the business growth as well as the marketing in there. So if you've, um, and the, the key here with the consistency, and this is something that I'm always saying to clients because every social media guru will say, hey, you need to be on um, your, whatever platform you want to be on all the time, two times a day, blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line is if you can only be consistent and it's three times a week. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Then be consistent three times a week. Just develop that habit of consistency. If you can only ring three customers a week or connect with three customers a day or whatever your number is, just pl plan and plot it in your calendar to do that consistently. Find where your numbers um, are yeah. and just do it consistently. And, and that gets back to allocation of good of, of your own personal management of your own time yeah. um, in, in doing that. And again, whether it's three or five phone calls a day, if you add those up, yeah. you know, twenty-five, you know, five phone calls a day. That's twenty-five for the week. That's a hundred contacts for the month. And then with that 100 contacts, you know then your figures are going to wash out. You may end up with four or five new clients out of that percentage. Yeah. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Um, one of the things that um, I wanted to get into there in more detail, yeah. in mapping out a program for someone, is it over a three-month, a six-month, a 12-month period? Because one of the – I remember talking about this a while ago was mm. that, you know, you can design – have tiles designed – for people 
that you just roll them out every week or every you know twice a week they're already preset to be rolled out through their social media yep. can you explain how that example works yep so that's um so i'll just explain those two things and this is where um, from a business perspective uh, my whole philosophy is around um, helping people to leverage what they've uh, their existing resources, which is their inner genius, their content that they've already created, the conversations and the connections they already have, um, and that my core ac action within my business is around this consistency piece. So um, to explain what uh, Gary means by the um, social media tiles is um, as a content repurposing agency, we help people turn their book or their article or their ebook into visually stunning graphic tiles. So if you think a hardcover book into a beautiful uh, photograph uh, with your inner genius on it. So just for those that are listening in that can't um, can't see the, the hands waving. Um, so a, a, a visual graphic tile is literally like uh, receiving a postcard from a loved one overseas that you haven't seen for uh, for a while, and you get that postcard in the mail, and you go, "Oh my God, isn't that that isn't that picture stunning?" That they clearly look like they're having a great time. So there's emotional connection to a graphic tile. So that's what we do is we take people's uh, written content or spoken content and turn it into visually stunning tiles that they can then roll out on a consistent basis uh, within their social media. We also, so that's the marketing element. We also, from a business development perspective and a strategy perspective, look at, okay, what programs are you selling for the quarter? What events have you got coming up and those sorts of things. So yes, we create the tiles based on someone's inner genius, but we also choreograph it, uh, the conversation and the rollout of that uh, to align with what the conversation is or mm -hmm. the, uh, the steps are taking them to, uh, to something that they're selling or program that they're launching or whatever the case may be, um, or whatever change they're trying to make within their community. The other thing um, from that consistency piece is um, because a lot of the clients that I work with are on, on LinkedIn. We actually also help them uh, create those business conversations on LinkedIn with their LinkedIn connections, uh, new creating new ones as well as uh, re-engaging the existing ones. And again, we have that consistency of building the right conversations with the right people through our LinkedIn lead generation. And then that marries into the, um, the consistency with the social media posting and those sorts of things. And those two products really, um, I could refer to them as products, came about because I saw, saw the gaps in the marketplace because I saw the frustration people were having in that ability to actually be consistent because um, I remember going back to my, myself five years ago, I hired uh, my first VA who's actually still with me um, and I and this is part of the power thing and I literally said, here's, here's, my, here's my inner genius, was, wasn't very much back then, here's my inner genius, go do my social media, I'll see it in a month's time because I don't want to touch it, off you go. 
And, and I think that's how many people hire their first person to help them is that they ha like like when you go to the accountant in the old days with your shoebox full of um, receipts, receipts you, hand over, you hand, it, yes. hand over to the accountant, all of your power and all of your financial well-being, you hand it over to the accountant and you get this beautiful, you know, report back, but you, you don't look at it, you just file it away. So you've sort of not had any acceptance or acknowledgement of the, the shoebox. And that was exactly what I did with my business, my social media um, uh, scheduling, as well as the strategy, as well as the conversations. Because back then I thought that, you know, I could, like many, um, I thought I could put a social media po uh, up on, uh, sorry, I could put a post up on social media and everyone was going to come running through my door, which is not the case. Mm -hmm. um, it's about having that combination of marketing and conversations to actually create the right conversation so you actually get leverage um, you leverage into the right conversations at the right time um, and you end up with consistency in your business yeah it, it and it, it really is enhanced it's it's establishing a relationship but then it's like a courtship it's in, in you continue to enrich continue to enrich some of the and i love the idea of those tiles mm. and just having you know you manage that it can be once a week, so there's 50 tiles, or there might be twice a week, 100 tiles for the year. But a business person doesn't have to worry about it. Mm. And what I like what you've done is that if there is a slight shift in the dynamics of where that business is going, you you've created the pathway to get there, but you can then recalibrate it mm. and your tiles can change mm. as that business is evolving as well. Yeah, very much so. And that's the whole um, consistency. Fluid, consistent. It's going to sound a bit strange, but fluidity and consistency go hand in hand. So you need consistency, which is something that's there all the time, but you need the fluidity to be able to change that consistency or adapt to the marketplace or yeah. take advantage of something. So it's that um, adaptability, fluidity, and consistency. Yeah. And, and that's a smart business. Again, it's being agile. Um, agile, perfect. Yeah, and like you and I have seen it many times, we've got someone with a great product, but they are so rigid in what they're doing. They don't step out of it. And you know, newbies come onto the market that pass them, nowhere near the knowledge, skill or expertise, but these people are stuck and the newbies go past them and they kind of think, how come they're driving that faster car when I've been on the circuit for longer than they have? Yeah. And that, I'm going to touch on that because that for me is uh, when people get, and this is a marketing, uh, a bit of a marketing piece, when people get stuck in their own special words, uh, and mm -hmm. I'm going to use the term, they get stuck in their their geek words, which mean something really relevant to them and they're really excited about it. Um, the easiest way to explain that is when somebody's, um, I've got a couple of clients that are science-based and doctor-based, doctor so they're really in that scientific um, doctor space and they know the information inside out and they're absolutely brilliant at it. But unless they can be the sense maker or the translator of that information back into their community's everyday language and say it how the, their audience needs to think yes. about it or hear it, they're toast. Um, yeah, so and, and, it's in those, and a lot of times people, as you say, are in that space. Mm. They create their own dialect and they're in that yeah. bubble and that's yes. the only dialect they hear. Yeah. And, and, and I, I see you and a couple of times that's really I thought has been brilliant. You actually, while they're in that bubble, you actually are the person who has the pin to prick that bubble yeah. 
yeah. and to bring some freshness and clarity into what they do. Yeah. And I see a lot of, um, a lot of, so I often say geek speak and coach speak. Coaches uh, are notorious, notorious at speaking in NLP bubble language. Um, or conversation language and the language or, or very esoteric language and it's um, and it's okay we'll bring that back to the everyday person what is their transformation what are that what's the transformation that they're looking for and how do they say it because unless you say it how they they hear it they're not going to hear it and that's yeah and it's, it's like a courtship isn't it yeah you know if if um, you know a fellow is really interested in, in a woman and they sit down to have a nice dinner and all he does is talk about football, mm. you know, there's, not a, there's not a connect. Sure. And one of the great lessons is always asking a question and giving that person the chance to be able to articulate mm. what they're thinking. So rather than us lay our um, beliefs necessarily, not beliefs, but our way of uh, speaking, by asking the question, the clients actually will tell you mm. what they're seeking. Most people don't ask. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or or they do ask. They don't listen because they're preparing to say what they wanted to say in their geek speak and they've completely missed the point. Correct, correct. Yeah. So let, let's just move that forward then. We've talked about um, what, you know, what doesn't work um, and what can work. Mm. Let's just take it now where you see the market going. There is a changing market, you know, this whole COVID thing that's taken place how that's impacted on business, how people are responding to that, or there's many people still seeking, I, I feel, to get their feet on the ground of what do they do now that there is this always constant uncertainty because of COVID. Are we in lockdown? Are we able to go out? Are we able to do that? Are we able to travel interstate? Mm -hmm. So what, what are some of the things that you would consider um, would help people to recalibrate their thinking in this uh, suffocation that's come out because of COVID? Um, interesting. And, and, and can, I just, can I just preempt you on that as well? Um, one of the things, again, from our conversations previously is let's just do a stop and do an assessment and analysis now of where we are and who we are. Yeah, yeah. So if you can get people into that space, how would you then evolve them to see themselves differently? I think the um, the biggest um, what so there's two there's two sides to that. I think mm. um, I think people need to have have their own create their own opportunity to have a look through fresh eyes. So I think yes, uh, business yes. owners need the ability to be able to think with fresh eyes. Now that's not often something we can do for um, for ourselves. Reflective processes certainly help with that, but I think the reflective process is um, usually after somebody like me has tipped somebody else out of their apple cart, is the way I say it. So when someone's um, poked and prodded or given you some suggestions or you've sat down and sort of had a bit of a fresh eyes discovery, wherever that takes, I have that fresh eyes approach with somebody uh, other than just yourself and yes. then have that reflective process uh, process with yourself and then you actually see um, a different set of insights that come out of that. So it's work with somebody to create some fresh eyes opportunities and then have a reflective process with yourself where you ask yourself some really good questions, 
find out what the insights are from there and then that'll help to directionalize then when you've got a bit of clarity around hey i really feel i want to do this and this and this then go perhaps loop back to the person with fresh eyes and sort of help uh, create a strategy and a plan uh, a plan for that just coming back to the the covert um the, the scenario I'm actually seeing more opportunities than not um, coming out of COVID, both personally and uh, within the communities. I think um, the opportunities are, for many speakers, coaches and consultants, the opportunities have gone from trying to be that expert in our own backyard, which we're often, often not in Australia, mm-hmm. uh, to be the the expert in a very large backyard now where people are way more curious, they're way more collaborative. So I'm seeing for those those that are actually um, creating their own opportunities by going into other people's large networks and listening and contributing, um, then I think some significant opportunities are are coming out of COVID for a lot of people because we are very much global now for those that have the capacity. And I believe all speakers, coaches and consultants have the capacity to have some um, growth from just being in their local state backyard to having a national presence, which was, was easy, but we didn't tend to do it. We tended to hide underneath the table when people sung happy birthday to us where we could have very easily gone national um and the jump from national to global is exactly the same process so i think people um need to look for the opportunities that are actually there because i'm i am absolutely convinced they're being smacked on the head by them but they may not be quite ready yet um yeah. so maybe going through that uh, fresh eyes approach the reflection approach and then the strategy and then actually okay, well, where, you know, where really are my opportunities? What are the possibilities? And to discover that for yourselves, I'd suggest get jumping into some phenomenal um, networking groups that are in other countries that are actually global that um, have the right sort of audiences and just see really what's happening from a collaborative um, perspective because there's some fantastic collaborative uh, and some fantastic growth going on in the industry. Okay. Now, that's a really interesting, uh, like, little... I want to get off into that space. So when yeah. someone joins these groups and, and the international groups, uh, and, I, and actually I think one of the greatest things that happened out of COVID was we all learned to Skype. Mm-hmm. We could take our story just not to the person to the cafe next door or down the road to the office. Mm-hmm. We actually can take our story global. Mm-hmm. So if there's a little cohort, for example, in, El- uh, in uh, Adelaide or Melbourne or Brisbane or Los Angeles or London, there's a little cohort in that little area. If people are interested in that message, doesn't it stand to reason the people across the globe are interested in that message? Absolutely. And then the technique through, and this is what you do, is through LinkedIn connecting those people. Now, when people join a a particular group, what are the protocols that they should observe when they become members of that group? Because I can just imagine that some people would jump and say, hey, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to sell you. What are the protocols um, I think that most of the community leaders will actually set the protocols and I know we're going to run out of time really quickly. Um, so the biggest thing, the biggest learning I'll say that came out of me going into other people's networks and networkings, particularly in the States, the biggest takeaway lesson that I've got for everybody is here in Australia, we are so stuck on the 30 second pitch. It's not funny. 
in the US and most of the networks I've been involved in, they do a two-minute pitch. Wow. Um, okay. And it's a very, very different uh, process. It's, uh, um, the, let me uh, calibrate that. So it's, my name is, I'm from, I work with clients in these areas. These are the things that, uh, that my problems that my clients have. Here's the types of solutions that I've got. Here's a little bit about me and what I like to do. This is the sort of collaborative partner that I'm looking for. Again, my name is XYZ. And if you could help me in this way, I look forward to helping you in that way you get some really phenomenal insights as to who the person is and exactly who you need to connect with within that networking opportunity to create and discuss your own opportunities. So, okay, that's, that is as good a description I've heard ever, ever, ever. However, in going in there, what you've just defined is that when you go into that group, you need to have your own two-minute story. So that's, again, I've seen you do this before with people where you create that two-minute message of who I am. And, you know, that whole thing, oh, that's the elevator pitch. But it's it's more profound now. It's got to be more finite. Yeah. Could you just talk about that two minutes just for a moment? Yeah. Um, so for me, um, to give you a bit of context around that, a two-minute pitch is literally an A4 sheet of paper of words. How many? Uh, a full sheet of A4 paper, yes. at least a full sheet. Um, so on average, um, got a calculator handy. Um, if you're doing a two-minute pitch, that's usually 240-ish words. Um, so it's quite a lot of words. And I'm sharing this because the very first time I went on, I was used to doing the 30-second pitch and I had all this time left and they're looking at me like, well, who are you? This isn't enough. You, you know, we want to get to know you. Yes. Um, and when I experienced uh, and witnessed, and I think that was the key, I witnessed other people's stories in that two minutes, I felt considerably connected to them. It's the difference between if I go back to what we talked about with the postcard with the tiles, it's yes. the difference between getting a bill in the letterbox and the postcard from the loved one. Right. And we are just about going to run out of time, Gary. Right. So, so how many minutes we got left? About two. Okay. Oh, no, five. Rebel's just told us we've got five left. Thanks, Rebel. Thank you. Um, so as we start to wind this up, I think this has been an amazing experience for you because I know you. You're one of the most beautiful people I've ever met. You have got the most extraordinary business brain, and yet you hide who you are, mm. as in the, the, the person behind that's under the table. And that person that's under the table is who we see in the screen, who we see walk into the boardroom, who we, who we see walk into our business or through Zoom. Mm. And everyone who watches this video, I've seen this lady work and perform, and I've seen her change people who have got great skills and expertise but hide under the damn table. <laughs> so stop hiding under the table and get out and talk to this lady. You know, having a, having a five or ten minute conversation you know, with Sal can open up your business. It can give you more profit, but I also know it means you don't have to work in your business as much. So, Sal, as we close down, I just want to say thank you to you for creating this because your messaging is a gift to business people. And when your gift to business people is making their life easier and more enjoyable, they then take that part of their life into their private life. Mm. So this is just not being, oh, I'm helping people in business. This is their whole of life plan that you're working on. Yeah. So 
what's the one last message that Sally, who's not under the table, who's <laughs> standing on the bloody table now, yeah. what's the one message that you would like to finish off on? Um, I would say um, come out from the uh, come out from under the table, stand on that table, mm -hmm. find some find some new networks, go into go into discovery and curiosity mode, because through doing that, a you'll discover more about yourself. Um, you'll certainly discover some more opportunities and collaborative opportunities, um, and you'll also find that people are actually incredibly supportive and they actually do want to do work with you. Um, and I think that's been the biggest thing that's come out of COVID um, for a lot of people and certainly what I've seen personally myself, the level of collaboration and humanness that is out in that marketplace is actually waiting there for you. You've just got to get out from underneath the table. Yeah. It's that compassion and empathy. Yeah. Um, and people are waiting to embrace who we are. So rather than have the fear of failure, Let's have that real passion of success, and that can be in our own way. Mm. So, Sally Curtis, this has been an absolute delight, uh, and you've done yourself proud, young lady. So I wish you well, and to all of your audience right across the world, they're blessed to be in your space. Beautiful. Thank you. And, uh, uh, Rebel, I'll just key you up. If you can maybe play the, um, uh, our video for the content repurposing for those that aren't familiar with what I mean by a graphic tile as we've used that postcard scenario that would be great and I would just say um, you know through that discovery process as it relates to um, finding people and getting into into other networks you'll actually find and discover your own depth of inner genius and you'll also have your inner genius reflected back to you through other people's witnessing of that and you'll actually find your everyday language in the way that they talk back to you so if you're um, needing to help with your everyday language there's a little tip that you, it will be reflected back to you if you are out from underneath that table Thank you, Gary, very, very, very much uh, for today. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I want more. Uh, um, and we will talk to everybody very much so next week. And I look forward to sharing with you very, very soon. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Are you a speaker, coach, or a consultant wanting to increase your reach and impact? Need to save time and leverage your resources? Content repurposing is the fastest way to increase your visibility, credibility, and profitability online and reach your audience with ease. You already sit on a mountain of gold that is highly valuable to your audience. It's in your books, training manuals, articles, and presentations. We regularly turn clients' books into 12 to 24 months worth of content. Let us turn your existing content into visually stunning bite-sized content tiles. Content repurposing is the easiest way to turn your past into profits. Turn your existing content into bite-sized glitter that you can sprinkle everywhere with ease to attract your ideal audience. Let us amplify your voice, your message, and your impact. Find out more at sallyacurtis.biz. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. I trust you got some inspirational tips to move you forward. See you next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern for more Success Secrets Exposed.